You don't like the way you feel. You guarantee it? No, that would be foolish. <laughs> I can't. I can't predict what's going on. All I can do is sort of make educated <laughs> guesses for how you're going to feel about things. All right. All right. You're an enigma wrapped in a date covered in bacon, shrouded in mystery. I think you just described that I'm hot cream cheese. Susan. Because that's what you wrap in a date. Susan. <laughs> Holy crap, the date thing. That reminded me that we just we just missed uh, Greek Fest of St. Saint, Saint Sophia. I oh, think I today speak for was yourself. the last day. Oh, yeah. did you make it? Oh, yeah, buddy. I always go to Greek Fest. presents a perfectly acceptable podcast it's the premier pocket <laughs> it's the premier pocket i don't even of, have to interrupt you it's the premier pocket of comic book fun you know <laughs> just like your dad used to wear <laughs> weird um every week we three people who run a comic book shop together gather to gather around the cradle and see if we can use our dulcet tones to rock the sweet baby of public consumption to bed <laughs> <laughs> with with our fun takes and insightful opinions about comic books it's a tr- it's a three-legged stool and i'm one of the legs jeff i'm another one Django. very cool i just want to be the stool i'm roman <laughs> can i suggest a new tagline for the for the podcast yeah please do i'm starting to think that maybe we should finally write an intro now I forgot it because you said a bunch of things in between. What, what did you say? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the stool and legs. So. Something about takes. That was wonderfully passive aggressive. Sl- now I takes. can't fucking remember it because you fucking blathered on for mouth like man. You butchers, you've stuffed our ears with mayonnaise for eight seconds and I couldn't hold my thought that long. <laughs> was it thoughtful takes and hot snakes? Was that? What do you think of that? Thoughtful takes and hot grapes Ooh, that's like that disgusting yeah. but yeah okay 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 thoughtful take less poopy less poopy thoughtful, thoughtful take. Salsa, uh pump the brakes hot takes pump the brakes <sighs> comics place hot Kinda takes nice. and higher stakes Ooh. okay i like that all right all right, all right let's let's workshop it I think, okay. I think by the end of this episode, we can have a, a nice rhyming uh, tagline for the podcast. Welcome to Commonplace Presents Perfectly Acceptable Podcakes. Fuck. Welcome to Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. Cakes. Hot ta- <laughs> Rice hot cakes t- and hot snakes. Is it hot takes? Is that what it was? You tell me, man. Hot takes and higher stakes. Let's get in here. <laughs> Comic book. And we're going to start this episode off like we start off all of our podcasts. It starts... <laughs> <laughs> Hello and happy episode 327. Hey friends, I don't know if you knew this, but it's wedding season. We went to a wedding yesterday and in like a week or two, we're going to two weddings on the same day. One of those is yours, Jeff. Um, So they got me thinking about weddings and wedding issues, wedding episodes, and it made me curious, what are your guys' favorite wedding related things mm. from comics tv show uh 
for weddings and a funeral, movies, whatever. Mm. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That is such a phenomenal question. Comics Place presents Red Weddings and Hot Takes. <laughs> and Higher Stakes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what things had a wedding in them? Mm. So this is Nothing a great good, question, actually. Andrew. If you have to cut out us thinking about it, please do. Because well, okay, I gotta think about it. I don't think Roman needs to think about it because I think Roman really likes wedding issues, is what I've heard. I'll put it on me. Um, huh? I just remember covers more than I started. Like the first thing that popped in my head was that uh, oh, Incredible Hulk cover when Peter David was writing writing the Hulk um, of Betty and Bruce and the altar. But <clears throat> did they, I, I mean, I guess they got married in that issue. I don't remember. Did something interrupted. The leader was involved somehow. I don't Apparently. remember. I don't remember that one really at all. Actually. The second thing popped in my head was uh, <sighs> one of Klinger's scams on Nash. And he was in a wedding dress. He was going to get married to somebody. Oh, yeah. He was in a wedding but, dress a lot, but yeah, but he didn't actually get married. It was just a scam that fell apart. That uh, that the the first thing that pops into my mind with comics and weddings is the uh, the Spider Man annual cover. It's like annual. with him and Mary Jane. Oh yeah, wasn't yeah. The... But there's two different covers, right? It was number twenty one, I think. I'm trying to find it. yeah, number Spider Man annual twenty one. There's one with Peter and Mary Jane and all their friends behind them, and then there's one with Peter or Spider Man and Mary Jane and heroes on one side and villains on the other. It's like an early variant oh. cover. Did they both have the uh, the heart in the background, except it was all spider-webbed? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Spidey's eyes. Yeah, Everything's yeah. the same except uh, Peter in the background. People. I love that spidery web, spider-webbed heart. Yeah. Dude, you guys, I'm just drawing blanks on the wedding. I loved all the fanfare leading up to the potential Batman-Catwoman wedding. That was a lot of mm-hmm. fun, more like around it than the actual payoff of the thing. Um there's got to be like good weddings and shows and stuff. But yeah, I mean, covers come to mind like the, you know, the Dr. Octopus uh, Aunt May cover. And then of mm. course the Spider-Man Mary Jane cover um, even more like modern ones. I mean, this week we've got the immortal X-Men Iron Man cover. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't have it. I think my, my compound answer is the Batman one just because I really enjoyed that whole trip. <clears throat> so there's the a wedding that never was exactly. Oh yeah. Sure what about the tunnels? Oh, sorry silver age wedding covers that where oh no lois is marrying an ape i'm actually looking at one where she's wonder woman's marrying an alien uh Uh, what about (laughs) jeff what about the x-men like x-men 13 or 14 or whatever with cyclops and uh gene gray getting married yeah that's a good one that's a classic cover yep yeah also i would say that marriages within weddings are always kind of a mistake too uh you mean marriages within comics or did you actually mean marriages (laughs) within weddings Hot takes and rice cakes. <laughs> Hot takes and stone mistakes. <laughs> yeah, right, Django. I think comic books in weddings and marriages in real life, all of it. No, nope, def- But no, like I think it's always kind of a, a mistake to get comic book characters married. You know, it kind of binds them in some state. Like I feel like Spider-Man has just been kind of, it's been like 30 or 40 years of like marrying and unmarrying Spider-Man. Trying to undo it. Right? Like... <laughs> It's cool that Reed and Sue, for the most part, have stayed together, but it's just like a thing that they ultimately try to manufacture drama from and tear people apart or like or yeah. resent it because it's consistent. Yeah. How many of those couples? I mean, Reed and Sue split up a couple times, yeah. but never actually got divorced. But other than like Reed and Sue and Jay and Joan Garrick, what what comic couples have stayed together? 
Yeah, Lois and Clark, but they're on and again, yeah, off again. Yeah, too. they're still together. Well, yeah, what about uh, Ralph Dinby and uh, Sue? Ralph and Sue. Oh, that's right. They were together. They were until... together until she died. Yeah, until hmm. she died. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that uh, we've allowed uh, Alicia and the thing to stay married as, in like in a successful <clears throat> relationship as long as we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They had a wedding issue fairly yeah. recently, didn't they? Yeah, they Last did. few years. And they're still yeah. being nice to each other. It's like something to strive for. Django, it's interesting you brought up like, hey, did you guys read that many comics? Because I don't feel like there was any like really big issues this week. Like I read a lot, but I'm just in terms of like noteworthy issues this week. Like we have part two of the Gotham War in Batman 137. We have this sort of like immortal X-Men wedding thing. Birds of Prey is probably like the biggest number one. There's Fire and Ice, you know, Welcome to Smallville. But like, what I mean, there's the... the there was the one that I read and brought back to the shop and the and that you haven't read yet, the yeah. Kill Your Darlings, which okay. I really, really liked. What was that like, about? Like a uh, uh, eight-year-old girl who oh. um, is kind of going through life and her mom's pretty distracted and she the, the little girl has like stories that she tells with her um, stuffed animals. And so she's imagining like stuffed animal battles and stuff and her mom never wants to play. And she starts getting so wrapped up in it that the stuffed animals are like seem to come to life. And she sort of has this fantasy and the end of the issue, she wakes up in front of her house with her friend trying to help her. And the house is on fire because of this imaginary battle that she's had. It was it was super, super well done. Dude, uh, you said earlier that you couldn't remember anything about it. I thought I was setting you up for a silly boy, a silly boy moment. And you just, you just, that was a different title, I think. Yeah, that was a different comic. (laughs) No, not really. That was, that was, uh, no, I, uh, I, I was playing the long game there, Jeff. It was Uh, really good, dude. Thanks, bud. Wow. You knew, you knew I was going to try and throw you under the bus if you said you didn't remember it. So I Googled it as soon as I said I couldn't remember. Oh. (laughs) my god and then it all came crashing back it was yeah highly recommended i can't say much more about it because that's the extent of my memory though man hot takes and big fake gouts mm-hmm. big fake takes <laughs> mm-hmm. uh are you gonna still reading swan songs mm-hmm. no I, I i i finished it oh because it's, <laughs> it's a swan song yeah yeah uh this issue was by w maxwell prince the artist on this anthology uh for this issue that was, was really funny roman philippe andrade it really was good thanks um it really was special that was a lot of fun um this issue is the end of the end of the world and it took place around two people who sort of serendipitously leave their nuclear fallout shelters at the same time probably because both of them were able to detect that the environment was safe enough for people to leave so it unlocked at the same time because they had the same reading but um and it's a broad look at them sort of becoming acquaintances and starting this life under this giant tree and then how they kind of get tangled up with this uh trio of scientists who are also alive and it all gets very Cain and Abel Mm -hmm. but this was my favorite issue of the three so far for sure I don't think I read the second issue okay uh, but I really like the first one oh the second one was while you were gone but it was like the relationship ending one yeah yeah that one was brutal yeah I I liked this issue but I wasn't a huge fan of the art um, it's it's an interesting thing he's doing in here yeah I, I didn't hate it but it just it, it's all super watercolory and basically pinks and blues 
throughout with, with little bits of yellow. Um, and I had a hard time telling if, if it was like, if the colors were supposed to mean boys and girls or, you know, like it, it wasn't super situational. Yeah. I don't know. It, it felt like there was it, like it was trying to tell you that there was meaning, but there maybe wasn't in the colors. I, I kept on thinking because of that style and the colors for about the first half of the issue, I, I thought, well, is it like this? Because the twist, the twist, quote unquote, is going to be that actually it's it's they're dying of radiation poisoning out there and starvation. And, and this is just their like more their pastel colored hallucination. Yeah. Mm, death hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't question it a ton. Um, I did like it quite a bit for this one issue. It's not something I would want to be reading as a series. I would definitely want something done with, uh, you know, else with the colors. I didn't read all of Many Deaths of Leila Starr, but this is that same artist, and I'm just curious for those who did read it. Did it? Um, how did you feel about the art in that? I like that, the art that, that wasn't better. Me. Okay. Well, was it yeah, was I, it more pencil pen and pen and ink, Roman? Because this I doesn't like have any ink in it, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think I want to say that was inked. Yeah, I feel like it was a more traditional art style. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just liked the simplicity of this story. Just like two people designing a utopia for themselves under a tree, and then this bad thing happens, but they make it through. I don't know. There was it, With W. Maxwell Prince books, they can be pretty uh, dark variety. Not the mm-hmm. book Dark Ride by Joshua Williamson, and right. so the other the other thing that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of uh, this was as pleasant as the, these get. I feel like so I liked that. It was a yeah. It's funny. It ends. It ends in a triple homicide, and it's the most positive ending of one of these books so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like just any beautiful... one of his books from the beginning of his comic book career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I worry about this guy. I hope he's gonna be okay. Not really, my problem. Yeah, I really F like it. the sound effect when um, our our main dude takes the hoe or the hatchet or whatever it is and and attacks the first scientist in the radiation suit and the sound effect that's just like when he splits the <laughs> yeah. their suit open and the blood flies. Yeah, Good sound I, did, effect. I did like the intensity of how vividly the colors sort of <laughs> were at the time of the murder you know like the reds were very intense and the the dreamy nature of it was sort of coming off yeah though it made me laugh because the bottom panel i was like that's it reminded me of uh you know monty python i was like that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah blood spurting out yeah just the amount of blood roman i mentioned to Django that i uh i don't have my journal or a pen so i'm really free balling this whole organization and having my books written in the scores done so Wait, I'm shot gonna, calling and free balling i'm gonna shoot from the hip on this one yeah i'm gonna call this shot like a hot take and give it an 8.5 nice pot shots and hot shots uh, what do you give it roman i'm gonna give it a 7.5 i really like the story of the art i was lukewarm yeah i also give it a 7.5 uh lukewarm like a melted ice cream comb that resembled much of the art of that issue like yeah. the temperature of the inside of a tauntaun. Hey, Django. Yeah. You weren't around last week because you saved people. <clears throat> and while we were here, we <clears throat> recorded a podcast about the part one of the Gotham War. And oh, yeah. you've was, read you guys it. talk about it. You've read that and you've read this. And I'm curious what your take on the Gotham War is. Roman and I were sort of of two minds about it. His Man, mind and I, my mind. I liked the Gotham War intro book. And everybody 
that I hear on podcasts and who is uh, coming across my social media feeds seems to not like it, but I like that issue and I like this issue pretty well. I mean, you, you kind of have to swallow that Batman is going to be this much of a stubborn butthole. Um, and I can get about halfway there. I think the way that I've excused it is that he is go has recently gone through all this ridiculous trauma and his brain probably isn't working totally right. Like Zuranar is not something that he should be having daily conversations with. Right. Right. So like, I think bats is messed up enough to not be taking everything into account when he should, like when your entire family tells you, you should maybe chill out for a minute. That that should be something you consider for longer than it takes you to shoot a grappling <laughs> gun. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, but I I like it. I you know it's comic books. Who gives a shit? Batman needs to fight everybody for the story. And that that final shot of um, Vandal Savage is pretty awesome. I yeah. don't usually like people in pirate costumes in my comics, but that guy looks mm. like he smells good and musky at the same time. So yeah, at the yeah. very end of this Vandal Savage shows <laughs> up, where was oh he Bruce gets back into the cave which had been acquired by somebody else cuz he's lost all mm -hmm. of his money and the person that's been acquired by is Vandal Savage. I thought that was pretty awesome. But and I like his pirate mainly I like the coat. Yeah. But you know what's funny is I guess because I've been watching too much um porn. Um, no, uh too much uh uh what we do in the shadows the show yeah now i hear vandal savage's voice as matt barry's voice yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. kind of ruins it for me the coat is a little similar yeah um but don't we think vandal <laughs> savage knows who bruce wayne and batman is uh, what's oh, yeah. continuity okay um i agree that's a good point he does he uh, on the last the last yeah. things he says is bruce wayne and i presume you're bruce wayne yeah. i mean who knows who's wearing the cowl on any given day yeah right? that's like point. if he doesn't have a goatee it's could be Bruce Wayne. I I don't mind this overall story. It's not particularly exciting to me, but I have really enjoyed reading Chip's writing of Batman in, in all of these issues. And mm -hmm. this was, you know, no different than that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily love needing to be reading like more issues like the previous one that was like teeny and him. Like if I can keep it to just reading Chip Zdarsky's Batman of this, like that's cool. I'm cool with this. Yeah. I don't want it to be a super long thing where I have to be reading other stories and stuff to feel like I'm getting it. Um, but I, I can handle the chip stuff. So it's Batman cat. It's, it's the Gotham war, Batman, Catwoman, a Gotham war book, Batman, Catwoman, Gotham war, Gotham war. So you're not going to get your wish. Yeah. It's like th two issues of Batman, which is, Kind of cool. Kind of cool that we're done in two issues of Batman. Yeah, I don't think I'll read the Catwoman issues, and I don't think I'll read those Red Hood ones, but I'll read the Scorched Earth one. But yeah, I think I'll be able to get it by just reading the chip stuff. But I don't. I'm just. I don't really care for Tony <clears throat> Howard. I I really like the bit where Batman's kids all show up, and he's like kind of narrating who he's gonna have to take out first, and you know, like I thought yeah. that was really well written. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, and yeah, I like yeah, all I like, of that stuff. Yeah, I like I like that though. I was I was wondering. He said something about he has to take out um, Duke next at some point because uh, Duke Duke has power. Duke has powers. Doesn't he have what? some yeah. light power or something? He got he got powers uh, in the three issue miniseries Batman and the Signal, which uh, was read by approximately one eighth of the Batman subscribers in the whole world, and then they <laughs> only bring Duke out when everybody has to show up 
He's okay. a metahuman with the photokinetic ability to absorb, redistribute, and manipulate both light and darkness. Cool. And darkness. Wow. Does, does he make it hard? <laughs> That's a private question. Yeah, Django. Gosh. <laughs> with this What's... issue with Vandal Savage at the end, it's uh, privates and pirates. And hard takes. Hard Last takes and big snakes. Pirates. Oh. What's with this cover on cover A of that? Is that Catwoman? It must be. She has cat ears. Yeah, it's a but weird cover. Did, yeah, why does she look like that? She doesn't dress like that in the issue. Is that a year one reference, Django? Where like uh, the one where Batman's diving out like that? You know, chilling mm, I don't think so. Oh, dang! I like her clothes. Oh, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You never oh. know. They really huh. beefed the color on the background there, though. If it is. Um, I'm going to give this one an eight. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I, uh, for, for being the guy that I thought liked it more than Jeff, I apparently give it a lower score than Jeff. I just don't love the overall story that it's telling. But again, like I love yeah. chip writing any of, like, I loved all the scenes in it. I guess I don't, I don't think Zurinoff needs to be there all the time. Like I agree with you totally. It, it, it's a cool concept, but it should always be the last yeah. thing that Batman calls on. It's, yeah, it's it's better used sparsely, I think. I liked the little presence of it and the idea that failsafe had been created by him. But yeah. then I think just dipping it out and then not using it again was the right move there. And end of the run, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, just continue it like that. But, but it is the only, probably one of the only good reasons they could explain Batman being a kind of a fascistic jerk in this. Is, well, oh, he's also got R. that <laughs> fake hand, right? So who knows what future Batman's hand is doing to his that, yeah. psychology. That just happened that I already forgot that he had a fake hand. Yeah, it was not. I mean, he's been keeping a secret from people, so I guess there's that. But maybe, yeah, Django, I didn't think about that. Maybe it's having some effect on him and and the fact that he's keeping it secret from people, except for the one person that found out. Like, yeah, I mean, I think his greatest weakness is editorial. What do you give it, Roman? (laughs) Um, I'll give it a, I don't know, 7.5. I like the story. I wish the art was a little better, though. I do love the panel where Damien clocks jason todd and like yeah. shatters his red hood helmet yeah. with yeah with his bat knucks yeah no, um, i totally agree okay so speaking of batman and the catwoman war justice society number six talks about it a little bit and uh oh yeah it does gosh i thought that this was a six issue series i thought the previous was issue was issue the last series. one yeah the last i one love great art yeah i love that it's still going um but i don't know what the scope of it is so there's so that. it's jeff johns and marco santucci yeah and it was michael janin yeah santucci. well it was michael janin and joe oh, orlando yeah, oh, yeah. Joe orlando oh yeah i know uh but the other guy um, yeah all those guys it, it was like three different artists and and this like the art here is fine i just kind of missed the janin art quite a bit um so this issue is basically all the kids that they rescued from the Stargirl series are now being reintegrated or sent somewhere in time. And uh halfway through this I just thought this is a this is like the most elegant way to give us um diverse children yep That's in the DC point. universe and not change any characters that are pre-existing not take any names like this is this is how you do what editorial has been trying to do with comics for the last 20 years without giving anybody an excuse to be mad about it yeah that's a great compelling story i didn't think about that aspect of it but it is a really fluid way to introduce 
a kind of new chunk of characters that can be associated with primary characters that can be much mm-hmm. more diverse and you don't need to be changing the, the base characters that you know. Yeah. Um, and in it, Helena Wayne, uh, Batman and Catwoman's daughter from another Earth, tells or from the future, but also maybe from another Earth too. It's I'm not 100% sure, but she seems to know about the Batman-Catwoman war. Yeah, that was the weird. war for Gotham, um, which is fine. Uh, and I, and they brought uh, Michael the Bee. I was gonna say it was so fun. We live in a world where we got two comic books this week that featured Michael the Red Bee's <laughs> sidekick Bee, and we know the name of a Bee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who makes a very poignant sacrifice in the other book? No one could explain how or why he was still alive. Yeah, like. <laughs> Fuck you, comic books. <laughs> yeah, that is like perfect Jeff John stuff. And then at the end here, like, what what is this hanger hanging on about uh, Solomon Grundy? Like, he's gonna be in the next uh, JSA. That's pretty cool. So we'll just get a new JSA member in the form of Solomon Grundy. He, but yeah, is that has has he been associated with it before, Roman? Well, yeah. Let's let's contact well, the world's expert on the Justice Society of America, oh, Roman I Statler. Wish. Oh, I wish. Um, only in the beginning of this series, because <clears throat> Helena, her Justice Society was all mostly ex-villains, like Saul. Oh, okay, so she's probably pursuing him because she knows that he's yeah, good. She's she's gonna make her own future happen or something. <laughs> um, I also like that there's a page, a full page in here that's a homage to the cover of All Star Squadron number one. Oh, the table um, from the '80s. Yeah, when they got all the photos of the kids spread out on the table and. The three, the three JSAers are all in the the poses that were might have even been Alan Scott on on the All Star Squadron and Hour Man. It's also the A cover. Oh, it is. Oh, it uh, is. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, kind of is. <clears throat> oh, Django. Is that was was that from All Star Squadron? Yeah, the '80s yeah. series by Roy Thomas and yeah, nice. somebody. <laughs> Rich Buffer, yeah, maybe. I say it every time, but Jeff Johns can write books that feel like classical superhero books and they feel <laughs> modern at the same time and i don't think many people can do that with a balance that well i think uh, mark miller does it but he always leans on the sort of like overindulged shallow shock value version of it and this just sort of leans into the nobility of it and i love it and it makes me think of roman <laughs> yeah i thought i thought it was a really good issue good yeah. comic guys yeah i liked it a lot too it's, it's just fun and, and yeah that was a great point Django, about the this way of introducing diversity and the characters. I mean, I, you know, the characters on like the CW star girls show are based on the female wildcat and the female Dr. Midnight. They're introduced in the comics first, but we haven't seen them in forever because they didn't exist for a while. And now they're back in here and what little we've read them so far, they match up with the, their those same characters on star girl, the show. So that's fun. Tricky. Yeah. Tricky. Yeah. This you know, not one of the best issues. I think it goes down a little bit for and the art change, which it's down a tier mm-hmm. for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to give it also an eight. Yeah, I'll give it an eight, which is surprising that a Justice Society comic is at the top of my pile this week so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear it. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. I just love the Justice Society. And there's still things about these new characters like the the dude with the hammer. I forgot already that he's a grandparent or great uncle or something of uh steel and his daughter who was also steel yeah so yeah nice little surprises or not surprises but little bits like that yeah yeah hey 
Um, we got to do a Fantastic Four check in, guys. Still great. 9.0. What else do you want to know? 9.0. Just <laughs> uh, more than anything, this final page got quite a bit of internet play this week for being kind of a Shitty horrible, art. horrible picture of the thing. <laughs> and I even thought as I read it, I was like, man, the depth of his head's weird. But the thing gets a puppy, which is cute, but his head's drawn weird. Uh, who yeah, cares? it's kind of like a Pac-Man head, like floating on top of his it body. Is, isn't it? Yeah, his head's <laughs> like that through the whole issue. His mouth just isn't open <laughs> for the rest of the issue. Like I, it's a fucking stylistic choice. <laughs> what a revolt development! Oh, it's just impressive how like yeah, how uh, wonderful one shotty this was. Just like bam, yeah. Wait, you can just feel he was sort of like, yeah, what if the thing was dropped in a house that was falling endlessly? Like, it just feels like it started with a science concept and yep. then was explored outwards from there. And yeah, just perfectly a single issue comic. And I can't think of many other comics who are consistently doing one shot stories this well right now. Yeah. And the fact that I really like that Ben figured it out using the science he knows of, of you know, flight and aer- aerodynamics and because mm-hmm. they they only usually mention that oh yeah he used to be a test pilot but they never really call on the fact that he has those skills and everything other than he pilots like the fantastic car or whatever yeah but yeah this actually shows no actually he knows this discipline and all about it he's a, he's a smart boy yeah i think it's interesting that uh ryan north seems to have i mean the last couple of issues have have definitely had a theme and i'll bet if we went back it would be problem is presented they try three things to fix it and the third one fixes it hmm. like yeah just just over and over i i can i can kind of see the the skeleton of this story that he's telling over and over but i i think it's just so effective and so fun like kind of how like watching house on dvd it was like always in minute number 27 where one of them would be like oh, the shit Right. And they, you right. know, then they would go like have the moment where they realized the thing. Yeah. Go test it for black mold. There's exactly. There is a degree of formula to it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you, oh, I'm going 8.5. Yeah, did you dock it a whole point for the, the brow <laughs> on that last page or was it the mouth? Uh, I'm going a half a point for the whole issue for the art, okay. which I felt like it was a step down. Yeah. Is it a new artist? Um, it's not. Ivan Coelho has Ivan done Coelho. other issues of it for sure. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not docking it for the art really. No, I, I just think that that final, it was funny that that final panel made the rounds like it did. And it is kind of a fucked up depth of head, but yeah, it's like, yeah, what, what's this pages, people. It's just a ball sitting on a body. <laughs> what do you give it, Roman? <laughs> um, I have those problems with the art. I'm going to give it a nine though, because I love the story. I love Ben Grimm. I love the fact they brought back a lame Silver Age FF villain. I like that they've been doing that deep diving on old, you know, Silver and Golden Age characters. He's just stuck yeah. on the Essentials Volume Three or something. Right, he made it out of that <laughs> one. So he's this black and white's really hard to make it through. <laughs> uh, Roman, when you said you had that problem, was was it a problem of balls on the body or like was yeah, it what was something that? else? What was the problem? No, just you know, the art wasn't that great. Oh, okay. yeah. sorry, Yvonne. Sorry, Yvonne. He, uh, Roman, selfish spot for a second. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. That was, that, that was pretty good, right? Uh, Craven, so. Spider-Man's it, being a jerk. What... He's wearing the black costume. He like hunts down Craven and Jackson. Oh with yeah, because yeah, he got yeah, because he took that spear with the Norman Osborn's badness in it. Yeah, and then he like buries Craven alive with a gun. Yeah, 
Just like his daddy did to Spidey. Yeah, which I've still never read that story, which is embarrassing. So, like, I oh. actually don't know some references to it. I'm like, oh, Django <laughs> was like said last time that like Craven died in it, and I was like, wait, what? It's called Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, but he's alive in all the comics. That's his well, son. So is Michael the Bee. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael. But yeah, uh, this art's fantastic. And I like this dark, angsty turn here. And I hope we go more into like Spider-Man being more goblin more than just being a jerk. Because I like goblins. And I like yeah. Spider-Man. And I want to see Spider-Man goblin. Spidey goblin. And the beginning is real angsty. Um, gave it a uh, nine. Spider-Man. Great. Well, do I get to be selfish too? Please do. Red Room Crypto Killers number four <laughs> by Ed Piscor has a knife through a dick. A pee pee gets cut long yeah, ways. Yeah, which Jago insisted on showing all of us. <laughs> I, did, I certainly did not. It was Jeff. I, <laughs> Wait, was Jeff that showed us? I texted it to Django and showed it to Sean, and then Sean showed a lot of people. Oh, maybe Sean showed me. I don't remember. It was something that happened on Tuesday. <laughs> also... One of the least messed up things in the issue. So, you know, <laughs> take take that for what it's worth. Um, it's a, it's like a like a horrible, horrible study on human trafficking in the world of Red Room. Uh, this is, I think, the last issue of the Red Room stories. Dude, anybody who asks for cross needs to get pointed to this. That's you know what? I haven't thought about that. I did it today. Nice. Yep. I had a guy come in and ask if, if uh, there was more crossed out there. And I was yeah, like, we no, man, but uh, I got your back. Crossed. Yeah, we are out of crossed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I would never want my mom to know that I recommend that people read this, but it's a really <laughs> still really well done and, and really effective, even though it's just one of the most horrific and horrible things that uh, you've ever ever read so Marilyn wouldn't enjoy watching a member being split shaft to tip <laughs> no with uh with the with one end going into the nutsack too nutties the what nutties was your, what was your what was your score for it I don't know man like I want to give it a one and I want to give it a 10 so oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine <laughs> like it's it's so gross it's not for weak people that's for sure are you weak are you weak <laughs> I didn't think I was and now I do okay Good That's, to know. I do um, now. Yeah, think I'm that. gonna give it a nine. Wow. Solid, solid cartooning. Yeah, he's a master. Yeah, I can't wait for his next thing, which I think is kind of based on old comic strips. Yeah, I'm excited to see what that is. I've been seeing pictures of it posted from him. Yeah, we had a couple cool books about ladies in the DC universe come out this week. Did you boys read either Birds of Prey or Fire and Ice? Welcome to Smallville. I did not. I read them both. I read them both too. I quit reading DC when they put a story in the swimsuit issue last week. So I've sworn yeah. off all DC. That was, that. that was upsetting for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, Roman, what'd you think of birds of prey? I, um, you know, I liked it. I mean, it definitely, uh, feels the lack of Gail Simone, but I still, but I liked it. I really liked the art. I do too. I, I think, yeah. I, I think I would have liked it less if it hadn't been this artist. I, I totally agree. Um, Leonardo Romero. It's got this Romero, wonderful yeah. sort of classic coloring vibe to the whole thing. Kind of like when they like print on, I don't know, like hip hop family tree and stuff where it almost looks like they're intentionally having the convergence of things go off. So it's like, it's, it's very, yeah. It's yeah, even art, yeah. And even though the art doesn't, resemble his it reminded me of kind of that same retroness that like uh rodriguez uh yeah javier, javier rodriguez yeah, yeah. or yeah has. yeah the coloring for sure as well yeah but yeah i, I really like the art as well and i thought yeah i i liked the story so you 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 said you 
missed the 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 spot that Gail Simone fit in in the Birds of Prey yeah, sort of like got, writing of things. Yeah, because she wrote it for so long right. and, and pretty much defined Birds of Prey. Um, and I was a little worried about that going in if this would work without without her writing it and hardly being on the team. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I like how just actually big big Barda is. All the characters felt good. The action sequences were good. Um, there was something in it. I had to look up something. Cynthia. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to look up about because I was like, Black Canary has a sister. Right? <laughs> I didn't know that. But that's because I didn't read all of Birds of Prey the last few years. And maybe she was introduced there. I don't know. Yeah. The, the whole issue kind of focuses around Black Canary gathering a team of badass ladies because she needs to go save her sister, Cynthia, um, from essentially turns out at the end of the issue it's from they need to go to Themyscira because the Amazons have her and they're going to bring about the end of the world somehow is this character Meridian was that all at all familiar to you because like Harley's response seemed like maybe she knew who the character Meridian was and I, I didn't no I don't I don't know that character Mia Mizuguchi um, yeah I don't know her okay um oh I really like the sequence when Harley like knocks oh, or orphan Batgirl yeah. what's the name of uh Cassandra, Cassandra Kane, uh, orphan, but it is what it was for a long time. But it might just be Batgirl now. Yeah, I call her Batgorfin. Ooh, I like that. Excuse me, I have to gorf. Batgorfins yeah, and normal orphans. Yeah, the humor about her, like Hot trying to takes. tell a story, but she can't tell a story because the way she's she uses so few words. That was good. Yeah, yeah, I I really liked it. I I'm gonna definitely read more Kelly Thompson. I like a lot. The issue was very, very good. I liked it more than Fire and Ice, but I did also really like the art in Fire and Ice. Natasha Bustos. Yeah, the art in that was the, yeah that was the best part. Yeah, um, I read it just on the curiosity of Ice having been introduced in the Human Target. This is very much kind of like a, a YA kind of Fire and Ice going back to Smallville to live next to Ma and Pa. Um, I forget exactly why Clark sends them there or offers to send them there, but they're just kind of hanging out doing detective things in Smallville with very totally makes sense. Art, I guess. Why wouldn't Superman's teammates and friends live next to Superman's parents uh, who are his secret identity people? They make breakfast for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember why that happened either. Why does that Clark Kent's <laughs> parents know so many heroes <laughs> but it is it's got a wonderful sort of like it really gives that like archie-esque small town vibe in here they're hanging out at the diner mom pa kent are in there like you know the big city girls of fire and ice are sort of put out by the small town nature but i, I just sort of i like stories like that that's and again the art is very fun what, what do you give, give it roman i give it a 7.5 and i give birds of prey a nine i'll give fire and ice a, a seven and birds of prey i'll give it an 8.5. Oh, and I'll, I'll mention it. And even though I usually think Harley is overexposed, I was like, oh, God, Harley's going to be on the team. I thought uh, Kelly Thompson really wrote a good Harley. I mean, she had the same voice of, like, say, the Harley cartoon, the animated series cartoon that that I love. I think that's, like, the definitive Harley. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. 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 Like that. Team books are oftentimes, when written well, the best way for characters like Deadpool and Harley Quinn to exist. Um Okay, uh, are you talking about the modern cartoon or the old cartoon, Roman? The new one. The, the current one. Is it good? Um, it's great. Erica was it's asking actually... me that tonight. Maybe we'll watch an episode. You guys should watch it. It's funny and good, like, should... genuinely good. He said, I mean, if you wanted to, you could jump right in and watch, um, I think it was last year's uh, Valentine's Day special. That's hilarious. And it's got um, 
oh, what's his name? Um, um, from Ted Lasso in it, hmm. both as a character and doing the voice of his character. Um, and it's got Bane in it, which it's also my favorite version of Bane is on that cartoon. It's, it's just, all hilarious. You guys should definitely yeah, watch it. He's all just right. a big cuddly sweetheart and he's always like breaking down and crying and stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, did you guys read about that book where they kill birds and stuff? The Sacrificers. Yeah. Birds Richard birds. Richard Remender. Richard birds Remender. The Sacrificers, number two by Rick Remender. And Max Remar. Sacrifice. I read it. I, I Two issues into a Rick Remender book, Jeff. It's not a record for me, but someday it might be. It. I started reading it late at night, and I got to kind of like the big title page. I got, you know, like a quarter of the way through the issue. And I was like, I don't have the energy for it. But uh, when I sat back down and read the beginning again and the rest of the issue, I liked it very much. And we got way more. We just got way more than we got in the first issue, which was very mm-hmm. much a cold. The first issue and first chunk of this was basically all just a cold opening. Um, it's a cold like open Roman. with a lot, like three or four different settings and yeah. character groups, right? Yeah, but I love this idea of all these sac- like kids that got v- willing to be sacrificed now brought to this like Eden-like environment with all this food and fun stuff. And it's like, what is going on? What is all this? Yeah, what's the next turn going to be? Yeah. I Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a really good sort of... Uh, I mean, you don't want to say that a bunch of kids being chained up and dragged to their probable death is a road trip movie, but it's kind of a road trip movie in the beginning here. Yeah, well, even before they get to that place and they're like kind of contemplating escaping at one point i was like okay so is the story going to be these like five kids escaping and i was like they've actually fully flushed fleshed out these characters and their different personalities and the way that they would interact with each other and i was like okay i would totally read this book if that's what it's going to be and it's not necessarily that but in two issues they pulled that off which is pretty amazing really good characterization for these like five kids really good yeah and and they're all like even the even the kind of derpy orca girl is like a little bit too optimistic and thinks that they're all like she's she's happy about what's going on and but she's not dumb she's just kind of misinformed and right yeah yeah everybody's everybody's got a couple of different layers uh in fact maybe the weakest like the least character development has been the main character that we met in the first issue yeah no totally strange yeah roman are you reading this um, I, I didn't read the second one. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, not a big Richard Remender fan. No, not really, but I liked the first issue, and I I just uh, I just forgot to grab one. Mm-hmm. I thought this was better. Uh, I did too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Rick Remender, Max Fumara, Dave McKaig. McKaig is a... Dave McKaig is a good name, by the yeah. way. Yeah, Captain McKaeger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I'm excited to be reading more of this series. I'm going to go nine on this one also. Eight and a half for me. Wow. Uh, any place else you guys want to stop? Any, any any little selfish moments you want to have? Indulge a little thing that you guys read? You want to talk about? Well, I'm, I'm curious. Did you guys read the uh, the Grant Morrison text story in the back of Project Cryptid number one? I that's the only book in my stack I haven't read. Okay, I did not, but I read the cartoony comic booky bullshit before that, and I loved it. Yeah, the Paul Cornell story, the Mark Russell story. Mark Russell, yeah. I like the Mark Russell. Uh, yeti story but i did not like the art yeah the art on that wasn't great i don't know what it is with mark russell and and the people they pair him up with for art like yeah this is is rough art yeah like i was never confused so it wasn't no bad there was just like nothing like if it was black and white and done on a photocopier it wouldn't have surprised me (laughs) yeah yeah um but but it like story-wise it was pretty fun like no huge surprises mark russell hates corporate 
dickheads um, <laughs> and wants them to be eaten by monsters. Like, duh. Uh, and I really like the art in the Paul Cornell story um, that was mm. PJ Holden. Um, it looked a lot like uh, uh, John McRae to me. Mm. Yeah. Who does yeah, some does. of my favorite storytelling. Um, I didn't really understand it, but, <laughs> you know, all those little wormy nipples on the giant worm at the that end was, were pretty that was, funny. That was cute. Roman, how was the uh, the Morrison written thing at the end? Well, that's, you know, it's funny that uh, I feel like the things people don't like about Morrison are really at the forefront in like his, at least his short pose, prose. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it took me two tries to get through this. Um and a lot of his humor kind of falls flat because it's about a gathering of detectives. So he's got characters based on all the favorite detectives. There's a Nick and Nora Charles couple and there's a detective chimp, I think it is, detective and various ones. But, you know, the names are all different and stuff. But, and and he does his Grant Morrison stuff within the writing of each one of these characters. But some of it's just just the humor. You can tell what's supposed to be funny. And it's just I don't know if it's. It is funny, maybe if you're in Britain and it's not here. I don't mm. know, but uh, it was a slog to get through, and it's only part one. <laughs> That's a bummer to hear. Yeah, it's been a minute since they've put out something that I liked much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess part two. Maybe maybe this is some kind of uh, collab- collaboration jam because part two is says it's by Bryce Ing- Ingeman. Mm. So maybe holy shit, not- they're not even gonna finish it, <laughs> and and it's. It's coming in con and on number three. Yeah, which I don't even I don't even know about that title. <laughs> Dude, okay, that is bold to put six pages of prose and continue it with thirteen different writers across Ahoy comics. Is that what yeah. it's gonna be? 13? Like much oh, of a yeah. selling point or a thing to promote no. successfully. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. That said, I thought that the first two stories were worth the price of admission on here. Yeah, where was your where oh, your yeah. scores going? You little, you little... go on, go uh, on. <laughs> I was gonna say chubby chasers, insults and summer faults. Summer faults. I was gonna say somersaults, but I I like summer fucked it up. <laughs> I like summer faults. The errors we make in rebirthing periods of youth. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give Project Cryptid number one, only having read the first two thirds. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Good comic, fun fun book, fun party. Yeah, I'll, get, fun I'll give it a party. seven. Are either of you reading Parker Girls? No. Jesus fucking Christ, Jeff! I knew you weren't. <laughs> I knew you weren't yeah. reading it, and you're gonna love it when you read it. Yeah, Colette is ordering me a like a hardcover of it for my oh. birthday. That like it's like a limited hardcover. It's so good. Cool. They mm-hmm. this is the final issue. They wrap up the mystery. <gasps> uh, you get some nice nice sketches in the back can't um, wait yeah it's it like in the beginning i felt like i didn't understand who the characters were or who the good guys were or who the bad guys were or what was going on at all and this issue just all made sense and kind of connected all the dots for me it's he's just a good creator man yeah it, it would be interesting i don't know anybody who's reading that stuff who's read all of everything he's written like i haven't finished mm-hmm. strangers in paradise but i mean i know the parker girls organization is introduced in you know strangers in paradise one. and stuff yeah, yeah yeah exactly so it's interesting to think about yeah trying to read them as their own vacuum things um yeah i can't wait to finish that is it weird that like in peacemaker we get another scene of like somebody 
like putting a bunch of babies in jeopardy or is dc's like hey we're funny and edgy to be like let's put a bunch of babies in danger you mean like the flash movie yeah i think the biggest danger to those babies was probably the um person playing the flash yeah exactly um yeah i don't know i thought it was pretty funny i i like it when uh the the good guys have to deal with some bad guy thing that they shouldn't ever have to deal with like for some reason we only got one panel of them killing a bunch of babies which i think is kind of bullshit yeah um and Don't dangle babies if you're not gonna let them drop yeah yeah or show us how cleverly they take care of them like even mm-hmm. peacemaker doesn't want to kill babies that are cloned from deathstroke mm-hmm. um one of my favorite things that was kind of like that was um the issue of hitman where those the aquarium got zombified and they had to go club a bunch of baby seals that were zombies um that sounds pretty good. similar similar kind of gag to this i did think that the like michael's the michael the bees sacrifice was kind of poignant and heartbreaking as well mm-hmm. uh that was that was good that was well written kyle starks and you could see it coming from a mile yep. away i it thought was still like bee, oh i thought the red bee was going to sacrifice himself so i was mm-hmm. more sad to have michael go this is almost a perfect comic, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm going to be really like, sad when it's over. If I had one one little quibble, it would be that you can't see the pink brain and the giant acid suit Yeah, on but, the last page. Like, that is, yeah. that's my biggest complaint about this book. That said, the art is pretty fantastic. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. Um, <laughs> I love when Brain's brain goes skittering across the floor and peacemaker's dog grabs it yeah. and starts whipping it around and his little ears are flopping peacemaker's dog bruce wayne the, bruce the wayne. just the storytelling when they're trying to get in the in the grate where peacemaker yeah. tries to just tear it off and red <laughs> yeah. b spins it like that's that's my kind of joke yeah hell yeah this is this is like keith giffen justice league kind of mm. sense of humor to me body language gags and stuff like background stuff for sure. Yeah. Please yeah. don't wake the Deathstroke babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Django, how can folks get a hold of us? If they want to be as good as Will. And do you want to tell them about our next couple weeks? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, let's do all of that. Also, I would give this one a nine and a half for oh. tries hard. Number oh. five. I jumped like, in. Just if I if I had to give that Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh and Jordy yeah. Belair book a score, that's what it would be. It'd be nine for me. Yeah, at least a nine and a half, maybe even a ten. I don't know. That sounds like a 10 to me, Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go with 10 on that. Mm-hmm. All right. 10 for the Deathstroke Babies. 9 for Jeff and a 10 for the Deathstroke Babies. I w- it would have been an easy 10 if we had like three pages of uh, them taking out babies. However, they had to do it. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. But yeah. they don't say they had to kill them. They don't even say they defeated them. They just said uh, they had to fight them. That's the only way you can appropriately dispose of babies in mainstream media. So if you were going to try to get a hold of a perfectly acceptable podcast presents babies and scabies you would send an email to jeff at the uh or you would uh i guess probably that's the best way to do it send yeah. an email but but even better than that you could send a voicemail uh we would like everybody who listens to a wish jeff uh congratulations wow on his upcoming um what are you what are you calling it nuptials nuptials i don't like I don't like the word nuptials. nuptials. Uh, it's like a relationship birthday. A, a relationship birthday on, on his first relationship birthday. Yeah. Um, and because of that, well, not because of that, but in honor of that, we're going to take the next two weeks off of the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you miss us a lot, just hold tight. 
Write we'll us an email. Back. Yeah. Weddings and and skin sheddings is the new tagline of our podcast. Weddings and sheddings. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. Uh, nuptials and quick Roman. What rhymes with nuptials? Pustules. Pustules. There we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. The pustules from the skin sheddings. Nuptials. There's and no other way to do it. I hate the end of this podcast. <laughs> well, you asked for it. You literally asked <laughs> yeah, me to wrap this up for yeah, us, yeah. Jeff. I'm eating a mint. No, oh. I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing being at your wedding, and there's going to be a bunch of like husk car- carapaces laying around. It's supposed to be a surprise. Caricatures and carapaces. Mm. <laughs> yep, husks and buskers. Oh, <laughs> I played bass for husks and buskers in high school. Here we are. Uh, yeah, send us some emails. You got two weeks to send us a ton of emails, so no excuses. I know this podcast is pretty relentless every single week, and uh, this time you can think about it and really, really put your all into it, kind of like Will Elmer does. Always. Yeah, and he turns us up and, and loves us till we're loves us on. Yep. I love yep. it. I love it. Well, there's a new episode of Winning Time up, and I got to go watch it so they don't cancel it. So, <laughs> what's your name? I'm Jeff Figley, and it's been okay. A pleasure. Wait, now, wait a minute. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, I, I was done. Oh, okay. I'm Django. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. What were you going to say when you did that? Well, I was just going to say you texted me the other day that we have to like put winning time on in the background so that HBO thinks that more people are watching it so they don't cancel it. Yep. And yes, and also I'm trying to catch up because it's a it's a wonderful, hilarious, heartfelt show. Fascinating, um, interesting. But also, as we were flipping through HBO tonight, it had the top 10 and winning time was in the top 10. So what the fuck you guys like, I hope that if, if you're only going to keep your top eight TV shows, like there's gotta be a better yeah. way. Yeah. There's yeah. Gotta be a better way. I they yeah, shouldn't I, assign that guy for another 10 years of TV. If they're going to cancel it. Okay. A lifetime contract for the guy who plays Michael Jackson, Jordan, uh, magic, magic Johnson, Johnson. <laughs> sports guy. All right. We'll see you all next week. Well, no, we won't. We'll see you all at the wedding. Bye. <laughs> Love you all. Mwah. Thanks, Ew. Roman. Bye. Romans and I don't know. I don't know. Gr- I used them all. I used them all. <laughs> <laughs>